This is Church on the Rock, where Jesus is our message and people are our heart. Tune in to hear a teaching that we pray inspires and encourages your life with Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our sound man's like, oh, I got through worship. I got this mix done. Now I'm going to get Pastor's mic real quick. Good job today, Randy. Amen. Father, we give you praise today. We give you praise today. You are risen, Lord. And Father, we thank you that you are alive in the house and you are alive in our spirit today. And Lord, we thank you that this is your house and that you said your house would be made a house of prayer, a a house of worship. And Lord, we thank you that today that you have received our adoration, you have received our heartfelt praise today. Right where you're at, just say, Lord, we love you and we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your great love. You loved me first. You loved me first. And Lord, we celebrate you today and we love you back today. And Lord, I thank you that the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And Father, we're righteous through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that prayer avails much. And Lord, we thank you that today if people came to the house of God sick, Lord, even where they're sitting in their seat, they can say with their lips, I am healed. And you'll feel something immediately happen. You will know God has touched you because you're in his house. And he said that his house, I I dare you to do it. I dare you to say, Lord, heal me today. Because he wants to show himself strong. And he wants to show himself mighty to people. He loves you so much today. If you've got a worry on your heart today or something that's frustrating you or concerning you, if you don't normally come to church, trust me in this. Just say, Lord, I give you this. I want you to name what it is that's troubling you, or that's causing you to worry or be anxious or to have fear. Name it, and you could even think it in your mind, and God will hear it. I want you just to give it to Him today, because I know that God told me that He's going to do supernatural things in people's hearts today, because He's going to, He wants to show Himself alive, and He wants you to know that He is alive in you. So, Lord, we cast our cares upon the Lord because you care for us. And, Lord, we worship you today, and we thank you that we are free in you. We are free. Lord, we give you our fears. We give you the things we're worried about today. We give you the things that we're concerned about today. And right now, you're going to sense a peace come over you. It's going to surround you like a winter coat. And you're going to feel the warmth of God's love. Because the Bible says in John chapter 10 verse 20, or John chapter 14 verse 27, it says that the Lord Jesus said, peace I give you, a peace that the world can't give. So right now, I want you to receive the peace of Jesus Christ right where you're at. You're going to feel just a warmth of peace and that it's okay. Everything's okay. You're going to sense his love because he loves you so much. I remember being a boy going to church, going into a a church kind of like today, and I wasn't living for the Lord, and I didn't even know if I believed in the Lord. And the preacher said things like, 
I'm saying to you, and I took the step and said him, and I had an encounter with God in 1986. Praise the Lord. You can be seated today. Uh, if you have your... Um, if you have your iPhones or cell phones, if you want to go into YouVersion, if you want to go into YouVersion, if you have that app, you can go into events on YouVersion if you want to. You can go into events and Church on the Rock will pop up. You can click that and uh, the insert in the sermon notes will be there uh, that I'll be speaking from today. And what's fun about doing it in the YouVersion is it makes it to where you can take notes and have them right there with you. Okay? Thank you, Lord. You know, it's very interesting in it, and it's, it's amazing to me. We are in a time where people are really seeking out Christ. And they're wanting to know if he really was or if he really is, if he, if he was a historic person. People are really, we're every day, more and more people are just taking a look at the historical person of Jesus Christ. And you may be here doing that. Some people are taking a second look at it. But his teachings and his life are generating a lot of curiosity. And the reason there's so much curiosity, brothers and sisters, is because there's an emptiness without him. You know, there's an empty tomb today, but we're an empty tomb unless Christ fills it. The reason he had to leave that tomb is because he needed to fill you. Amen? So, so he's in you. You are his temple. But it, it doesn't seem to reason. It, it's not uh, strange that people are, are, are asking questions because the prophecies about Jesus, his birth, his life, his teaching, his miracles, the things that he did. I mean, he affected history like no other person there ever walked this earth. You tell me people that healed and did the miracles and the, and the teachings and the prophecy and his death and not only that but his resurrection. It was a significant time in history. The validity of Jesus uh, that he claims about himself, what's most important is that he not only died but that he raised from the dead. He claimed and he said about himself, I'm not only going to die but I'm going to be a risen savior. You know, there's a lot of, of religions out there and I'm telling you their gods are dead and their bones are in their tombs and there's no flesh and there's no life in Buddha and there's no life in Mohammed and some of these religions that say that that is the way but I'm telling you today that there is life and there is breath in our God Jesus Christ today he is alive you know, there's so much evidence, there's so much evidence of his resurrection. And one is Christ predicted it, and he called it. You think about people trying to call ball games, and, and I mean, I was calling the Cubs yesterday on Pirates, and they let me down in the ninth inning, but, uh, you know, Bryant did his home run, but we needed a little bit more. But I was calling that game a W. But let me tell you, Jesus called it a W. Jesus put a W on the resurrection, and he fulfilled that W. Amen? He called it from, from the time that Jesus began to tell his disciples in Matthew 16, 21. He told them plainly that it was necessary. He called, he said, i got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer some things, some terrible things. It's going to be by church people. It's going to be by elders, and it's going to be by leading priests. Some of the churches that, that you're going to, Jesus said, they're going to really come at me. The teachers you've been listening to, uh, they're, they're going to be the ones that are going to kill me. But on the third day, he called this. He said, I will raise from the dead. Amen? Jesus, he, he called it, he predicted it. Another thing is Jesus made many appearances. 
He appeared to people on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to people at the tomb. Uh, one time the disciples were fishing and, and he prepared some food on, on the side uh, of, the, of the bank and they came and they ate with Jesus. And here's the, here's the one that you just can't deny is 500 people saw him. Brothers and sisters, we don't even have that many people in this church, in this service today. With the kids and everything, we might be at like 350 or 375 or something like that. But 500 people. Imagine if you saw Jesus Christ. If you saw him raised from the dead. I mean, I, I, you could get... 10 or 12 or a few to, to make up some wild story that Jesus rose from the dead. But 500 people, 500 people said, he not only rose from the dead, I am a, an eyewitness that I saw that happen. And then you see the unrelenting faith of the disciples. Before the resurrection, you couldn't even find them. Before the resurrection, Peter was denying the Lord. You, you know who was at, you know who was watching Jesus at the cross? The, the one was, was John, and that's the one, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wrote about himself in John. He said, hey, I'm writing John, and I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I thought that's kind of funny. But the reason that's cool is he had a revelation of the love of God. And when you get a, love, a revelation of the love of God, you will always be where Jesus is at. John was right there watching the crucifixion. The, the, the Marys were there. People were, were, were right there. But most of the disciples, they, they were scattered. But after the resurrection, they were bold. They were bold. They, they, they were steady. Paul even said, man, if there was the resurrection, do you think I'm going to be out here preaching Christ and putting my life on the line every day? Because he said there is a resurrection. So, so we, there was appearances. There was the unrelenting faith of the apostles. The, the growth of the Christian church. I mean, and, and, and Peter's first sermon, there was like two, 3,000 people got saved. When you read Acts, when you get to Acts chapter 6, I figure between women, children, and men, I'm figuring in Acts chapter 6, there's about 25,000 people by that time. So we see an incredible growth after the resurrection of Christ. And then now you think about the tens of millions and millions and millions of people that have come to Christ in the last 2,000 years. I'm telling you, that's evidence of a resurrected Lord. And another thing, to me, the greatest evidence of a resurrected Lord is how many of you have had a personal encounter with Jesus? You know what? The Lord told me this this week. I don't know if I'm going to make a sermon on it or, or what. But he told me to start challenging people to ask to see Jesus. I want you to get that. If you're here today and you say, I don't know if I believe in Jesus or not. I challenge you to ask Jesus to show himself to you. Because he will. Paul was on a road going to, on, on Damascus on his horse. And a light shone from heaven, and he saw Jesus. People saw... Hey, how many have seen Jesus in your life? How many have seen him change your life? How many were an addict, or your marriage was messed up, or you were filled with, with worries or fear, or, or, or worries or doubts or fears? How many of you just life wasn't worth anything, but Jesus showed up? Anybody out there have the testimony? Come on, if you've got that testimony, let me hear it. Jesus showed up. 
there's proof. There is so much proof that the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes sense. It is an event that happened. We cannot deny it. His life dramatically shaped our culture. His life dramatically shaped our arts. His life dramatically shaped our world that we live in. And the most conclusive proof of the resurrection of Jesus is that he is alive in us today. Amen? The resurrection confirms that Jesus is who he claimed to be. I want to unpack some things about, I want to unpack some stuff about the magnitude of this event. The one is the resurrected resurrection proved that Jesus was divine. The fact that Jesus died on the cross doesn't really prove that he is God. But Jesus proved his deity and his divinity by fulfilling the prophecies of death by returning from the grave. Look at this scripture in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. Romans chapter 1, verse 4. If it shows on the screen, it'd be great. Read that with me. It says, and he has shown us, read it with me, to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead. See, he showed us, hey, I'm the son of God. He showed that to us when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ. Somebody say he's my Lord. The second thing is the resurrection proved that Christ has the power to forgive sin. Christ has the power to forgive sin. Look at second at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17. Read this with me. And if Christ has not been raised, think about that. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you're still guilty of your sins. In other words, if Christ hadn't been raised from the dead, he can't forgive sins. But because he's raised from the dead, he, he trampled sin under his feet, and he bore every sin, he bore every wrong, he bore everything that you're ever going to do that, that is against God. He bore that, and when you say, I'm sorry, he says, you're forgiven. Every time. Every time. And I'll tell you what the devil will do. That dumb devil, and we're going to call him dumb a lot today. That dumb devil, here's something else he'll do is he'll tell you that, oh, you made a mistake. You made a mistake as a Christian. Anybody ever heard that nonsense? You know better. How many of you have ever made a sin that you knew better, but you still did it? And the devil will try to convince people, oh, you're a Christian, you knew better, you shouldn't have had to do that. They're in grace for that. Brothers and sisters, that's not in the Bible. There's grace for everybody. There's grace. Every sin that you've done, every sin that you might be in today, and the sins that you will do are under the blood of Jesus, and they're forgiven. They're forgiven. Give the Lord a hand clap because you're forgiven. You're forgiven today. The resurrection. It reveals Christ's power over death. Look at this scripture in Romans 6, 9. It says, we are sure of this. We are sure of this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 9, it says, we are sure of this. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He's not going to die again. Look at that. Is he going to die again? He's not going to die again. Death, he, he can't die again. <laughs> He's not only not going to die again. He can't die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Amen. But here's what's cool. Uh, uh, the resurrection, not only death has no power over him, the scripture teaches us that death has no power over you. 
I want you to hit your neighbor, give a fist bump to your neighbor, give a high five to your neighbor. Come on, fist bump them and say, death has no power over you. Death has no power over you. If you're a believer, death has no power over you. Because the scripture says, how many know we got to believe what the Bible says? The Bible says this in Ephesians 2, 6. It says, as Christ was lifted up from the grave into glory, along with Christ, where we sit with him in the heavenly realms. So as he was lifted up from the grave, so are we. Here's the other thing. The resurrection defeated God's enemy, the enemy of your soul, Satan. How many know that Satan's defeated? Why do we give him so much authority in our life? Why do we give him so much attention? Why why do we exalt Satan? Are you all with me today? Why do we exalt his efforts? Why do we have more testimony of what the devil's doing to me and what life's doing to me than the testimony of what God's done for me? Why do we sit and glorify and exalt the wrong and the trials and the struggles we're going through? God wants us to get our eyes off of this present and get our eyes on the eternal. God wants us to to, to live where he's at and, and not be focused on what the devil's doing. Because he has, he's defeated From the moment of original rebellion until the day on the cross, the devil has fought viciously and cunningly to overthrow the kingdom of God. Satan must have thought he had dealt the final and decisive blow in this age-old war. But this was a major miscalculation. (laughs) I'm telling you, he's a dumb devil. In this war that had been on, He made a major miscalculation. The cross was heaven's triumph. And when Jesus arose, the power of sin and death were shattered. Now, you don't have this in your notes, so write this down. 1 Corinthians 2, 7 and 8. Listen to this. The wisdom that we speak of, talking about the resurrection of Christ, it's a mystery. Look at his plan that was previously hidden. Even though he made it our ultimate glory by the world before the world even began. It's talking about Jesus dying on the cross. Listen to this. If the rulers of this world had known this or understood it, they wouldn't even have crucified Jesus. That's why I call him a dumb devil. He's a dumb devil. He's a dumb devil. He's a defeated devil. And you need to take some courage and quit letting him walk over you. You are not a doormat for the devil. You are not a doormat from depression and anxiety and and the disquietness in your soul. You are not a doormat to the pressures of this world. You are not a doormat to the attacks of this evil one. He has been defeated through the cross of Jesus Christ. And when we look to Jesus, he wants to write and author your book with a new chapter today. But the Bible says that let our tongues be as the pen of a ready writer. I need you to get your tongues in line and your words in line. And what you say, I need on, the, on what God's wanting to write in your life, I need you that, that, that let your tongues be as the pen of a ready writer. 
And the words that come out of your mouth create the next chapter for you. Are you all with me? The devil's defeated. That, that just hits me in that first Corinthians. He's so dumb. I, guys, it's time. It's time. I want to be careful how I say this because I, I don't want to get political today. But I like the strength. I like to know that America does have strength. We are a strong nation. And we are a nation built under God. Are liberals the far left? Is that as left liberals? Let the far left say and do what they want. But there is a church of Jesus Christ that is alive and well. We are full of faith. We are strong in the Lord. And our future is optimistic. And God hears the prayers of his church. And the church is alive and well in this city and other cities across this nation. And is alive in the world. The church is alive. Hey, the devil, is he so stupid? If he'd have known, he wouldn't even have crucified the Son of God because what he thought was a good deal was really what defeated him because when he crucified, he realized he crucified somebody he couldn't. He realized he messed with someone he shouldn't have. He realized that, that when this was done, it was too late and Jesus was knocking the holy you-know-what out of him. He was knocking the crud out of him and getting victory in every area for you. Somebody asked me, do you keep it real here? And I say, you betcha. I'm a country boy. Amen? But what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to me? First, it assures you of a future resurrection. You do not have to lay down on your pillow and wonder if you're going to heaven at night. The Bible says, for we know. That if this tent or this earthly tabernacle, this body, the Bible calls this body a tent. You know, we all live in home. Anybody here live in a tent? (laughs) Spiritually, we're in a tent. Spiritually, we don't have our brick and mortar home. Spiritually, we don't have our permanent. This body is temporary. That's why I I itch my head why people put so much into their bodies in this world and getting the money and accumulating wealth. It's all going to burn. We we give up our family life. We we, we give up our our time and we want more possession. Don't get me going on that. But but, but why do we do that? Amen. We know that this earthly tabernacle, it's going to be dissolved. But we also, you can know that you have a permanent tabernacle that's made up there in heaven for you. Amen? It, it, the Bible says um, in 1 Corinthians 15 20, it says, but in fact 1 Corinthians 15 20, it says, but in fact, everybody say in fact Christ has been raised from the dead. How many believe that? In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who had died. And simply what that means is Jesus did it first and all of us are going to do the same thing Jesus did that are believers. How many believers do we have here today? Jesus was the first 
fruit of the resurrection from the dead. He was the first one to experience that. Now he says, when you believe in me, Jesus said, when you believe in me, you're going to be the continued harvest of that fact. That's a fact. That's a fact. That is a fact. Number two, second, the resurrection of Jesus. And again, we're a church that preaches truth. Uh, A lot of churches won't say this point here. But second, the resurrection of Jesus proves that there is a future judgment. A lot of churches won't preach this because they want to make everybody feel good all the time. But I'm telling you, as pastors and shepherds in our nation, we have to sound the trumpet of the full word of God and the full counsel of God. And I have to tell you that there are two appointments that you're not going to miss. The Bible says this. He says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. You don't have this in your notes. Hebrews 9, 27 says this. There's two appointments that everyone's going to make. And as it is appointed to men, one first appointment is once men and humanity. Men meaning humanity. Once is we're going to die. But the second appointment is that after the death, there is judgment. There's two appointments. I don't care who you think you are today. No offense, but I, I, I'm strong. I'll be strong in this. I, I don't care who you think you are today. Every knee, every person, there's two things that's going to happen to you. You're going to live, and then you're going to die. And then the minute you die, it's judgment. There's a judgment Believers and unbelievers will be judged. Both. So that means that everybody here is going to be judged. One judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And at that judgment, how many believers do we have here? At the judgment seat of Christ, that judgment is for believers. And you know what we're going to get judged on? Here's the ju- Both believer and unbelievers are going to get judged on one thing. Here it is. Works. Works. Unbelievers will be judged for the evil works of hostility and sin and breaking of the law of God and the, and the nature of a sinful nature. They will be judged for that. Believers will be judged by works too. But believers are rewarded for their works. There's not judgment. I've been here teaching, oh, you're going to have to, at the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to, you're not going to be judged at the judgment seat of Christ. You made it. What you're going to be judged on is what you do for God. And that judgment is just to reward you. It's rewards it's rewards. So, which judgment are you going to be at? See, the resurrection, I have to tell you, the Bible says in Acts 17, 31, I want you to read this with me. In Acts 17, in Acts 17, verse 30. I'll tell you what, we, we, we have room for everybody at this church. How, how, how old is, is uh, Noah? Isn't he like, how old is Noah? He might tell me how old Noah is. 
13 or something. He's doing our PowerPoints today. He's amazing, Noah. You're amazing, buddy. Amen. Can you get me Acts 17 or no? Acts 17. The reason is I really, I think it's important to see things. Are we getting close? Give him another hand. Amen. The only thing is, is we need 30 and 31. Acts 17, 30 and 31. It's important that we see God's Word. I love it when people bring their Bibles and they look at their Bibles. You've got to make sure I'm telling you the truth. You know, a lot of times people just say Scripture and, and you don't even know. All right? Yeah, thank you, Noah. Look at this. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things at earlier times. But now He commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn and turn, keep going, and turn to Him. It's real clear. You know, sometimes we live in a society, indeed, in a world where, in which justice seems perverted or neglected. Thank God for the new Supreme Court guy we got, amen? We look at things that happen and say, how can that be? Or how could that have ever happened? The resurrection means, among other things, that God's justice will ultimately prevail. Amen? Are you all with me? So second, the resurrection of Jesus proves there is a future judgment. Amen? But you don't have to be afraid of that or live in fear of that because the scripture says in John eleven twenty five, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Here's the third thing the resurrection of Christ gives us power to live a Christian life. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. You don't have that in your notes either, but if you guys want to pull that up, you can. But guys, listen to this really carefully. This is powerful. Here's the third thing the resurrection of Christ does for us. It gives us the power to live the Christian life. Are you all with me today? If you feel like you're not living the, very, the Christian life very powerfully, it's because you're living it in self-effort and self-performance. You're trying to do it yourself. But when we start abiding in Christ, and guys, you know what the biggest revelation to get free of stuff is get a revelation of how much God loves you. And when you see the love of God and when you see Jesus and his love for you, the Bible says that we are changed from glory to glory. When you see, when you get settled, guys, listen to this. When you get settled that you're forgiven of everything, past, present, and future, listen to this. When you get settled that you're forgiven of everything, past, present, and future, you, God, man, he forgives me. I don't deserve this. Grace is unmerited, undeserved, un, unearned favor and spiritual blessing from the Lord. You don't earn it. But when you're, you're like, wow, I'm such a piece of junk, but yet Christ still loves me. Man, I'm blowing it like all the time anymore. But he's still showing up. And he still loves me. You know, my wife showed her forbearance and her gentleness 
and her loving kindness to me. And that's what changes me. When you get a revelation of God's love, you won't want to sin anymore. When you get a revelation that He forgives you, even when we're not heads, it makes you where you don't want to be a knothead anymore. Because you're like, man, He's so good to me. How many say He's so good to me? He's so good to me. So look at this. Brothers and sisters, you were the walking dead. You were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sins. You were dead because of your sinful nature. Was not yet cut away. But God then made you alive with Christ. Listen. And He forgave all your sins. Listen to this. He canceled the record of charges that were against you. The devil tell you what you do all the time, gives you this big old list of charges. Jesus says, give me that. Give me that, devil. Give me that. Give me that. He canceled the record of the charges that were against us. And he took it and he nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. They used to have authority in your life. He disarmed them. He disarmed them. And he publicly made a shame of them by the victory that he made on the cross for us. Amen? While the worship team's coming today, I'm telling you, the resurrection proves a lot of things today. Hey, we're getting ready to... um, We're getting ready to take communion. And before the people get in the spots to take communion, Caitlin, my daughter, is going to come up and kind of tell you how we're going to do communion today and explain that. We're going to have a song, and and we're going to take the Lord's, uh, not yet on the communion people, not yet on the communion people, just a minute. Caitlin will instruct you here in a minute. I want want everybody just to really listen intently here because this is the most important part of the day. Hey, guys, right now, right now, we've had some fun music. We've glorified the Lord. We've laughed. We've shouted. We've been encouraged by the Word. We've prayed together, and we've we've done a lot today. All right? We've done a lot today. Hey, one more thing. I looked around, and I see a lot of high schoolers. That guy that did the welcome, Josh, he's our youth pastor of junior and senior high youth and our young adults. There's something really going on in our young people at Church on the Rock. And if you want to be a part of that youth group, be sure and find Josh today. He's back there, in fact. Just remember the guy that talked up here. And you're coming up at the end, aren't you, Josh? I really feel I really felt the Lord tell me that some junior high and high school students I'm not just saying this. I really felt the Lord tell me that some junior high and some college students and some senior high students you need to connect with Josh today. That he's supposed to mentor you and he's supposed to be your pastor. I, I feel that strong today. Okay? Here's the other thing I felt God tell me to do. At Church on the Rock. I don't know what's happening, but we're having people give their heart to Jesus like crazy. Just getting saved all the time. Um, I think we've baptized like, how many people? Probably 25, 
people since the first of the year. And we're not saying that to boast in ourselves. Our boast is to the Lord. Amen? Let's, to, let's, let's give God praise for saving people. Amen. Yeah, isn't that what we're here to do is to be used to save people? Amen. But there's been, in the last month, there's been some people commit their hearts to Christ. E- even four last week. But I called some of these people. Uh, Scott and Tina, if you would come. Uh, Dalton and Allie, if you're here, if, if you would come. Is Allie here? Come on up, Allie. Cheyenne, I want you to come. Uh, Walter, I want you to come. Anybody else that I, I called you on the phone? Craig, you and Sherry. Is Sherry here today? Look at look at Scott. Look at look at him coming. Amen. Walter, I know that Walter, there's just a new thing happening in your life. Scott, I talked to him on the phone the other day, and he, he's like, Man, God is doing some amazing things in my life. Isn't this awesome that God anybody else that you just like in the last month? Yeah. Amen. Has, has anybody in the last month, in the last month, have you became a follower of Christ in the last month and I didn't call your name and you'd like to come? You, you're like, man, uh, what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve like your first communion to you. Or, or communion like somebody told me, man, I haven't taken communion in 30 years. This is going to be the first communion for somebody after 30 years because they're giving their heart to the Lord. But I felt like God told me on this Easter... This resurrected morning to have communion with you guys that are really giving your... Hey, see Craig over there? Craig, wave at everybody. You know, he came running to God about three or four weeks ago, and I had people say, when I saw that guy came, I was going. I was going to meet Christ. Amen. Anybody else say, I want to join them today? Anybody say, God is... I became a follower of Christ in the last month, and you'd like to come. Just stand up and come if you want to. But you want to you do this with them. I maybe didn't call you. Anybody want to do that? Okay. Here's the next thing I felt like God told me. With every head bowed and eyes closed, because I, I want you just to kind of be you and God moment here. How many of you today, when I was preaching... And even now, you just feel an emptiness in your life. And there isn't a, 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 a living, a livingness. I know that's probably not a word, but that's the best way I know how. There, there's just a lack of life in you. And you just feel like life, you're, you're stuck. And that you're in a rut. And that life's just meaningless. It's empty. It's void. And you're like thinking, I think Christ might be the answer today. Man, I, I, when he's preaching today, it's just something, I, I think maybe I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ today. If there's someone like that today, would you lift up your hand? Everybody's got their head bowed and nobody's looking around. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else say, I, I want to be a follower of Christ today. 
I see your hand over there. Anybody else say, I want to be a follower of Christ today. I want to tell you what I felt like I saw that hand too. I've seen three hands. Anybody else? Here's what I felt like the Lord wanted to do. He said, Brian, open up this communion table for the people that have done it in the last month. And then today, today in this service, people are going to become followers of Christ for the first time. And I want you to serve communion to them today. So, Caitlin, if you'll... uh, Give us directions for the communion. You guys that are up here with me, stay with me. And uh, when Caitlin gets everybody moving, if you want to follow Christ for the first time, I want to be real clear on that. If you want to come to Christ, I want you to come to this table with me. Because I feel like God wanted me to do that. So the three that raised your hand, and if others want to come and take communion, We hope this message connected with you. To get more information about Church on the Rock, check out our website at www.cotrag.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a blessed day.